we got uh, everybody from Racing Radio on. We're going to wait one second for a host. Our host is right there. So, Jeff, you're in charge. Thank you, gentlemen, for being part of uh, Online Racing History Week. You're on for the next uh, 50 minutes. Well, welcome, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Can you hear me? Break or break? Can you hear me? Hey, come here. Are you loud and clear? We got you loud and clear, Jeff. All right. How you doing, Good Jeff? You. Doing great. I'm doing great. How's things for y'all? Doing really well. Well, you guys have uh, definitely got a whale of a program going on. So how about telling me a little bit what's been going on in your world? Because I know it's had to been a little bit different here in 2021 uh, as far as, excuse me, as far as 2020 uh, with everything that's been happening around the racetrack. So how have y'all dealt with uh, with everything that's been uh, kind of thrown at you this year? We know. You know, Jeff, it's uh, it's definitely been a challenge, but with the exception of a couple of months, uh, we've been solid. I mean, I can say with, you know, you take April and June out and uh, 2020 has, it, it looks okay. But uh, obviously that's been a challenge and it's, it's, it's definitely added some challenges for us trackside, you know, dealing with customers. And uh, we've had to uh, change a few processes, but, uh, Overall, I mean, we're very fortunate to be where we're at. Well, with that being said, I mean, you guys have been around for a long time. And um, I think the thing that's kind of interesting to me, I've been around a long time, and I've, I know that there's been an evolution of car to, to pit and the involvement of all the uh, modern technology that keeps going on and on and on, you know, the things were kind of big and bulky, bulky at one time, but tell me a little bit about the history of, you know, racing radios and where, where this technology has led to. Well, as you know, you've been around this a long time and my father started racing radios back in, back in the seventies. And uh, he was approached by a driver who was named Frank Warren you remember him, he came by the office and uh, he was trying to get his radios to work, having issues. So he invited him to the NASCAR race down at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And they were able to solve the problems. And then uh, they were approached by NASCAR to work on some of their issues. And they were able to get that uh, situated for NASCAR. And it just it opened up the door for us to start doing business with other, other teams in the garage. And uh, it just kind of blossomed from there and uh, from stock cars, we went to road racing, the open wheel and grassroots racing. And in 79, we actually incorporated the company or, you know, created racing radios at that point. And uh, of course, as you know, in the eighties is when NASCAR really took off. And, you know, that was, uh, we were right there with it, you know, and uh, NASCAR as well as IMSA, CART back in the day. I mean, it, it, we just kind of grew with it at that point. And, uh, you know, like I said, racing radios is a division of diversified electronics. So, uh, you know, we're in a lot of different markets, Jeff. I mean, we're motorsports is just, uh, just one division we have. <clears throat> we are uh, very large in public safety transportation, you know, with airlines, the railroads, uh, utility companies, you know, Duke, Duke energy and Southern company. So we're, uh, we're very diversified, just like the name says. And uh, we've just, you know, evolved with the, the sports throughout the years. Okay, with all of that being said, how did you wind up deciding to, you kind of, I won't say partnership up, partnership with, but maybe that's the way you want to put it, with Motorola? I mean, there had to have been other opportunities and other companies out there. What makes Motorola and your organization, you know, so strong together? Well, my father actually worked for Motorola back in the 60s, 60s, early 70s. He left there and went to work for an MSS, a Motorola service center, um, which he later purchased. But um, he, back in the day, they didn't have Motorola dealerships. They just had Motorola service centers and parts dealers. So he actually left Motorola to go develop the parts uh, business there. He was a national parts manager for Motorola. And... Uh, you know, in the mid 80s, I guess, mid to late 80s, they started the uh, Motorola dealership program where they actually opened up a portfolio to, to the dealers and Diversify was actually one of the first 
dealer signed on with Motorola. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the best product in the business. I mean, it's the backbone of every system that we sell. And, you know, it's, it's a longstanding relationship, like I said, with my father back in the 60s, early 70s. So, I mean, we just, uh, we bleed Motorola. What can I say? <laughs> well, I'm going to ask uh, a little bit more of a technical question, if I may, with, uh, uh, to Anthony. And, you know, uh, the challenges that I ran into in the, in the, in the early days and that I'm sure have kind of followed us. We do have every now and then a little bit of problem. It's just the idea that you just can't grab one of these radios and not have it licensed. And the other thing is the idea of having bleed, having bleed overs. I mean, some of these guys of some of these local short tracks may not have the as good equipment as you guys maybe can provide. They're always trying to cut a corner. But can you I kind of address, you know, the, the, the reason why, you know, understanding who's on what frequencies and how that kind of works. And sometimes it doesn't, it's not a good idea to kind of like go to your local, I don't want to pick on, I'll, just, I'll use Bass Pro. Let's go to a Bass Pro store and try to make what they, what they provide out in the woods for a race racing operation. I mean, as I know everybody's looking for a way to save a dollar because Motorola is not cheap. And if you're going to do it right, you know, you, you got to pay for it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, in your major series, we um, we do a lot of coordination and we keep a spreadsheet of all the different frequencies that are utilized out there. But when it comes to short track, it's um, it's kind of a free for all out there. Um, the best the best thing to do is to have multiple channels in the radio that you are licensed for, mm -hmm. um, and you can monitor your radio. There's a little LED on the top of the radio that flashes when you're receiving a signal. If you're receiving a signal and you're not actually hearing anything, that's a possibility that you have interference on that channel and that you probably should use a different channel. Um, Cause that's basically saying that there's a carrier on that frequency that someone else is talking on. Um, and a lot of times when you key up on that frequency and that, that lights flashing at the same time, you'll hear a lot of garbled noise where it's two signals intermixing with each other in analog. And um, in, in a digital form of communications, you'll probably just have a, a problem where you won't be able to talk sometimes. Sometimes it'll get through and you'll, you'll miss conversations. Um, but really the only way to coordinate at, at a short track is to monitor your own radio system and try to stay off of other channels. Well, guys, just real quick, you know, we're, we're taking in um, information from some of the folks that are watching right now. John Szymanski said, that, hey, Tony, you've done a lot of work for them. And also a gentleman named Patrick uh, Casatera said that, you know, that this company and, and you guys have uh, been doing a jam up job for, for years. And again, you know, I knew your father, uh, Chris, and so, I mean, I know that. Uh, Nobody cared any more, I think, than, than your your group in the very beginning. Because, as I said, uh, been, being around the sport as long as I have, I've experienced, you know, when you were only had two radios. So we didn't have all everybody wired. So, you know, sometimes you, you may wind up with a third just to make sure that the, maybe the crew chief or the owner, uh, and in my case with Junior Johnson, you know, we had somebody else listening. So that did you hear what he said? And, and you at least could talk to one another. So I think it's interesting that uh, uh, all of these guys uh, that have been involved with your company for so long uh, can appreciate the progress you've made in technology. And, and Tony, going back to you, um, if, if somebody is going to wind up trying to put together a, a group of radios, can you give them a suggestion of something like an entry level so that they get the opportunity to get what they need right on the get-go rather than, than wasting a lot of money and wasting a lot of time and being frustrated uh, with what's not working, you know, with they're you know, trying to do this homemade type kit. I mean, you're always finding somebody that's trying to maybe get into the business that y'all are in and don't totally understand how technical it is and how difficult it can be. Yeah. I mean, our workhorse radio is probably going to be the CP200D. It's the most versatile radio that we have out there. Um, it's a 16 channel analog or digital radio. Um, and, you know, the accessories are, are, are two prong accessories, which are pretty reliable. Um, all the products that we make to go with it 
are pretty much bulletproof. Um, they, uh, they're designed to work with that radio. And, you know, for the price point, you know, you're looking, you know, less than 500 bucks for a radio. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you're looking at accessories, headsets, and harnesses. You could probably, you know, we have a package deal online, which, which is pretty, pretty reasonable for a two person, you know, for a car and a crew. So. Yeah. And, and real quick, uh, kind of address the analog versus digital, you know, so that folks can think, okay, exactly. What are we talking about here? All right. So analog has been around forever. Um, it's frequency and a private line code, the private line code separates you from other frequencies. So you have your own private channel. Um, that private line code can be either a, a digital PL code or a, a tone PL code. Um, when you get into digital communications, we're now transmitting ones and zeros instead of a, an analog sine wave. Um, so when you get to ones and zeros, you actually can have, you know, two channels on the same frequency in a digital mode on alternating time slots, which allows you to be more of a narrow band frequency than an analog frequency, where analog can be narrow banded to 12 and a half if you, uh, KC of frequency. If you go to digital, you can be down to six and a quarter and you can run, you can have two channels legally on one, on one frequency. Um, plus digital gives you a lot more battery life because you're only transmitting ones and zeros. So it's not a constant transmit. So the battery lasts longer. Um, and it also gives you an extension of range where your frequency and analog, you only get to the fringe of the coverage and you hear a lot of static. Where in digital, it'll be clean audio all the way to that fringe of coverage. And then it'll just drop off. So those are the advantages and disadvantages of analog and digital. Okay. Hey, I want to bring Chad in here. You're the uh, uh, vice president of racing radios and wanted to see, you know, what with the upcoming, you know, new year, just right around the corner, give us a little bit of an overview. What is the direction that you're taking the company and what are you, what are y'all going to be focusing on when you come into the 2021 season? Well, 2021, Jeff, I think is going to be a, a pretty good year for us. We've kind of seen where 2020 was and had to adapt, you know, with a lot of the things that were going on with our trackside service and, and how to deal with customers and how to take our business to the next level. And I think in 2021, we're going to be able to, to really, um, you know, amplify that. Uh, and, and put a little bit more focus on how we can take care of our customers at the track. You know, that's what sets us apart from a lot of people is we're able to get to the track and get to see the customers and, and see our product out there in the field working. Um, so I think we're going to be able to get out in the field a little bit more and uh, get to some more events and see people and focus on uh, our, our customers, which are the most important, important piece. But we've also got some new products um, that we're looking at bringing in for 2021 as well that should help us, uh, uh, move forward in the future. And I know Stephen can elaborate a little bit more on where those, those products are going to be and, uh, and which products are out there. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got several new products coming out uh, this year. Actually, uh, one of them was coming, came out early or a little bit late last year, but uh, we've got an eight man intercom system that we're introducing back into, back into the lineup this year. We've got a new two man intercom system going in and, uh, as well as we have a new uh, handheld radio released by Motorola, it's the CP100D. It's, it goes in line with what Tony was talking about early, earlier with the digital radio. Um, just comes at a little bit lower price point. It should make it a little bit, uh, a little bit easier for some of our uh, more budget-friendly customers to be able to attain and kind of upgrade from an analog system to a digital radio. Um, we've got several other uh, smaller. I would say smaller, but uh, different accessories that we've come up with, uh, an easy install helmet kit that we released this year. Um, makes it a lot easier for guys when we're not at the racetrack that they can throw that in their helmet. Um, it's really easy to do. Uh, just uh, uh, several other things we've got. Uh, I wanna think we've got uh, new stereo earpieces that we've come out with this year with an extension. Um, I mean, you name it. And we're also constantly one of the main things that we're, that we do here, that we're proud of that we do here is we do a lot of custom work. So we're doing a lot of custom installs, a lot of custom uh, 
design of car harnesses that go in specific cars. So we're doing a lot of, um, you know, somebody calls us up and says, hey, I need this car harness built for this car. Um, and we're able to provide that service to, to uh, you know, different teams out there, different professional teams, whether it's a, a BMW or, you know, stock car or anything. We can custom make all our harnesses here. So, Ron, with, uh, with what you just shared with us, uh, one of the questions I do have is you, you mentioned the stereo earphones. Um, is that something that, you know, along like the helmet installation kit, is this something that can be applied to uh, soft earplugs or do they need to be custom made earplugs for the individual? No, we have, uh, we have our standard foam earpieces that are stereo, um, but we also can do a custom mold. I mean, ultimately, I mean, if you're going to get into this, you know, do this for the long haul, you want to go with a custom ear mold because it's going to help save your hearing a little bit. Um, but we do have the standard foams available also. Do, do y'all, and, and Ron, you and Tony both can come back on this, this question here. Is there a series that gives you more of a challenge than others as far as, you know, trying to help the, uh, the driver in particularly be able to hear better. And, you know, sometimes uh, you, you might not think about it, maybe Indy cars are, are one way and a, a dirt late model or a, a sprint car is another, you know, for those who are allowed to run radios. You mean more of a specific uh, noise, noise level? I'm talking about, you know, as far as in, inside the car, you know, I know you could go with the stereo earphones, but at the same time, is there anything uh, that you guys have run into or anything that you've been able to suggest to a competitor uh, and a driver in particularly that would help them, you know, hear better? Um, well, I mean, custom ear molds are really going to be your best bet. Um, you know, I would suggest, uh, you know, either find us at the racetrack where we can do a custom mold and we can mold your ear. I mean, it's really important how far, how deep you get down in the ear canal, but uh, custom ear molds are going to be your best bet. There's also new technologies on the radios these days that have uh, some noise cancellation features. Um, there's also some of the top tier Motorola radios also have features where you have, um, uh, if you have hearing loss, that they can tailor that receive audio to your hearing loss so that you can actually um, it helps you hear if, if you have like a particular hearing loss and we can tailor that audio to your ear. Uh, there's also the, um, a lot of, a lot of people like to wear speakers in their helmet. Um, and, you know, one of the things we've, we've been uh, playing with is there's custom earplugs out there with these noise filters in them that can actually lower the decibel level of the ambient noise, but still pass voice. So they could wear those custom earplugs inside of the helmet with speakers to give them more hearing protection and turn the volume down on the radio to where they're not adding more noise to that environment. So there's several different options they can look at. Yeah, very good. Hey, real quick, uh, I don't want to leave this gentleman out, and I believe I'm, I'm going to say this right. Ron, uh, Zavendor, as far as the CEO of uh, Discovery, Discovery Parts? Yes, sir. How are we doing today, sir? Doing fantastic. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, would you like to share with us, you know, what what how you're uh, matched up here with racing uh, radios? Sure. Um, the relationship with racing radios was not something that we even searched or sought out for. It was a customer request. So our company's organic growth happened through racers having a need of something. I do not have 30 people in an acquisition and purchasing department buying one of everything and doing all the testing, what I do have are the best customers that say, I have this in one of my other cars and it is awesome, you need to carry it. And that is how our relationship with Racing Radio started. So we had other people when other suppliers that once we started carrying and stocking and now we are Racing Radio's stocking warehousing distributor. So we have all the inventory and we stock here in Atlanta Motorsports Park and our trackside sport division has their own inventory. But it was all because of our racer saying the quality of this is better than what we see in a lot of the other ones out there. The one edge that I think we have with racing radios is you can go in, we can do five clicks and you'll have a tracking number of your radio system on the way to you. Or I need a custom push to talk 
harness with open wires because I'm going to tie into X or I need a specialty length harness for this application because the harnesses are done in Georgia, made in America, which is a very, very important thing to us is the ability of making that item custom. I don't want to see a beautiful tube frame build and six feet of wires coiled up underneath the dash, just hanging around for a mechanic to get their elbows caught on as they're working on the car. Right. So racing radios fulfilled all those little check boxes of what we need. And it's been a great 10 plus year relationship. Well, that's great to hear again. Um, I was kind of curious to know exactly where the uh, tie in came in, but now you explain it quite well. I know we got a pretty large group here with racing radios. I do not want to leave this gentleman here out because uh, again, he, uh, is kind of, I guess, entrusted with what can you do to get our product out even more? And I'm going to bring in Chris Johnson, the marketing manager uh, with Racing Radios. And, and tell us a little bit about your challenges as far as uh, your job goes, Chris. And again, welcome welcome to the, to the panel here today. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I mean, so I've worked with racing radios probably about six years, and I came on full-time as the marketing director uh, two years ago. Uh, and when I came on, I mean, it's um, it just made my job easy as a marketing director because, I mean, the, the brand is there, the quality is there. Um, you know, I come in, they make these pieces in-house. Um, you know, it's a high-quality build. Um, so, I mean, the, the product, you know, like Ron said, it, it, it sells itself. Uh, so it's just, uh, you know, coming in, family owned and operated, uh, working with the Thorntons has been just amazing. And uh, everybody at the Racing Radio's family. All right, well, great. Again, welcome each and every one of you guys here today. And uh, the thing right now, Chris, you know, with your, what your dad and, you know, started back in the, in, quite a while ago. Uh, what uh, what do you think he would be saying right now about this, about the industry and the, and the direction that you guys are, are taking the company? Because again, you, you do so much for racing, but you don't, you're not just in racing. Do you do any other kind of like me you know, with the military or anybody else as far as you mentioned the airlines and stuff or air, I guess, airlines. Um, but what's, we'll what's the well. path you're going to branch out, branch out into? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's, uh, and that, honestly, uh, it just, of course, John T is still around. I mean, he's just, he's, uh, he's retired, but he's, he's on the farm. He keeps up with us quite a bit, to be honest with you. But, uh, I'm gonna let Chad speak to some of the new technology that we're incorporating into the product line. And that's going to be, you know, like our bi-directional antennas that we're installing the buildings around the, around the, uh, around the state, around the nation for that matter. And uh, just as far as enhancing the, uh, the signal of the you know, first responders, um, sailor, we've got a lot of different options there, but I'll let him speak to that. Yeah, so like Chris said, I mean, we're a very diversified company, we kind of live up to our, our parent company's name, Diversified Electronics. Um, he mentioned in the commercial markets where we're uh, you know, doing uh, BDA systems where we amplify public safety signals inside of buildings. It's very large in the construction industry as well as manufacturing and everything. But I'll, I'll tell you something that's it's pretty interesting. And, and Tony can jump in on this too in a little bit, but we've been able to take our, you know, our, all, all everything we've ever learned from racing. And we're now moving into different kind of sports uh, like where we have communications and in, uh, in college baseball in uh, college football um, and, and different sporting venues around the world um, where we do a, what we call a, a coach to player coach to catcher type system where they're able to improve game speeds and things like that. And that's all stemmed from everything we've learned in racing and relationships that we've developed over the years in racing. Um, and, and there's a lot of, a lot of neat things we do do like that, but that's hopefully something that we're going to be able to push even further down the road coming 2021 um, through that program, but it's, you know, there's a lot of interesting things we've done. Um, like Chris said, you know, and a lot of it stemmed from racing into the military, um, communications and, and hearing products and things like that, that we've developed all based off of our, you know, experiences in, in racing. It's, it's all come, you know, you know, full, full circle here into this industry. 
Yeah, so um, I can expand a little bit on that coach-to-player and coach-to-catcher stuff. Uh, coach-to-catcher is actually implemented in the NCAA as they can use it in gameplay. So the coach talks to the catcher, gives them information about the player that's coming up the bat, provides pitch information to the pitcher so they don't have to slow the game down by using hand signals. Um, I know currently it's being used in the SEC and the ACC in gameplay, um, and it's open to any anybody that wants to use it in NCAA. Um, and coach the player in college football is used in practice. There's probably about 20 schools right now using it uh, for practice. And basically it, it allows the primary and backup quarterback to get the same feedback from the coach at the same time during practice. And it's communications into the helmet. Um, we also develop what's called a remote ignition interrupt system for monster jam. Um, where you can actually shut the truck off with a radio. Um, we designed that uh, several years ago, and, you know, there's opportunity to use that for other sports and venues if, if that's a need for anybody. Um, another thing that we uh, worked with uh, Motorola this year, they launched a new product called Nitro. And what Nitro is is a citizen's broadband radio service it's a new frequency spectrum that is is um, open spectrum and monitored by what they call a SAS, where they can control the frequencies and 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 assign you a certain frequency and and that be monitored to where you can provide data and voice, uh, which is basically like a private LTE system. Um, what we did was we took that and launched that with one of the NASCAR teams. Uh, to be able to provide them that final mile of internet connection from the hauler to the garage box to the pit box wirelessly so that they don't have to rely on any wired connections, which gives them a backbone that's more reliable than what they pre previously had. Um, so we work with them all year. Everything's been going really well. And now we've opened it up to any other teams that are interested in talking to us about it. Yeah, and that all crosses over from, you know, all the different the companies that we have and different technology and different experiences. We can pull people from all different angles of our business to, to pull into other industries where, you know, that's kind of something that we would typically deal with on our commercial side. And we're able to pull that expertise in and, and tie it into racing. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very beneficial and, and, you know, very resourceful with the resources that we have available to us here. Yeah, it was a use case that Motorola never thought about. Uh, question here is, you know, I know that that, that you guys have done a, a lot of uh, work, I think, in the area of voice-activated microphones. So you don't have to have that push to talk. Uh, how was that, that coming along and, and as far as the competitive side of, or I'm thinking more like in the racing side, but how well is that performing in other types of areas, you know, like law enforcement or first responder type deals? Is that, is that coming along? Let's take that one. Yeah. Well, well as far I mean, as, I, I mean, can, I'll I hop onto it real quick and, and throw it off to Steven, but yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, that's something that we really don't use a whole lot. Um, even in, from the racing side, even into the, the law enforcement side, it's just the technology is not, uh, I'd say, reliable in, in my you know, in my mind. Um, I'll let Stephen kind of take it from there as far as racing goes. Yeah, as far as uh, voice-operated transmit in the racing industry, it's, it's really tough just because it's so loud out there. And it's really hard for the radios to, to distinguish between your voice or a race car going by or somebody running a a wrench or whatever it is. Um, we do have some voice operated uh, features in some of our intercom systems where it's not quite as uh, imperative that like a radio doesn't dead key up all the time, um, but it's really hard to do that. It's in such a loud environment. Um, so it's something that we've, uh, you know, we try it out on occasion, but I mean, it's still not quite where it needs to be to, to really be useful in like a race car or, or somewhere at the, at the track like that. Okay. So, you know, with you guys being in around the business as long as you have, um, from y'all's vantage and viewpoint, what's the most memorable moment maybe 
in the history of racing radios or diversified electronics that this kind of stands out that you guys are able to either come up with some idea to kind of revolutionize the whole sport or to me i'm just fascinated about the fact that you guys are working with the uh, the baseball guys and other sports to be able to have you know communication with catchers and i'm sure football players at the same time by radio communication which again uh, old school guy it was all hand signals you know and signals are shuttling guys in and out. So that to me is something that's like, okay, I knew something like that was going on, but I didn't realize to what degree. Wow. So the most memorable moment or product that revolutionized racing radios. That's a, that's a good one. Um, There's so many of them. It's really hard. I mean, and you brought up a good one there, Jeff, with the whole, uh, you know, the coach to player deal, you know, cause th- that's something that's really, you know, revolutionized, you know, our company and what we've done just because it, it, you know, people came to us with our expertise and said, Hey, is this something that you guys could possibly come up with and do? And, you know, we went through and pulled every resource we could and, and came up with it and, you know, built a product in house. And to me, that's something that's huge. And it was, it was, you know, very personal to, to myself and everybody that you see on this call right now. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if Chris has something else that he might, well, you know, think of. But. I know that I know that that I just want to interject one thing. That coach to player opportunity was um, born in NASCAR through relationships. Yeah, true. And that's that's a good point. You know, our relationship in racing has opened up other opportunities for us in other markets. And that's a great example of that right there. That's uh, for sure. And also, we know uh, we're doing a lot with the military. And uh, that opportunity came through racing as well. And, uh, you know, Chad, he, he worked on a lot of those projects up there. We've got a company out of Nashville that uh, you know, we, we've got several products that we built, like I said, for the military. And uh, I can't tell you about them. It. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them kind of deals right there. We can if talk we tell about you about it, it we got to kill you. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, that is that is some things that were it's, it's you know, it makes me proud. And as a company, it makes us proud. Uh, we do have some products that were on some very, very important missions to the United States and the history of the United States um, over the last 10 to 12 years. Um, so that that's that's pretty uh, that is pretty cool. Yep. Well, also, one of our uh, viewers, listeners, how you want to, you know, quantify it uh john wanted to know i wanted you to speak to the at track service i mean how huge that is i mean as me being involved in racing every now and then you know you may check something out at the shop and it's great you get to the racetrack and all of a sudden it's not great and i know back in the early days we had to have a couple of spare radios sitting around uh just because we we're always having issues you know not to your fault it was just part of that process of um, evolution and we didn't have I don't think as good and we didn't probably treat the radios as good as we do now and they can't they weren't used to the vibration so but you came up with the at track service to where if you have a problem all the way up when you get on the line sometimes and you're plugging a driver in and and for whatever reason the push to talk button doesn't work but you guys are a lot of times I correct me if I'm wrong you're there on on the spot and you got pieces and parts that sometimes you know, make the difference between whether you can start that race and hear, hear and communicate or not. So in, in the past, yeah, we were always trackside helping everybody, but with COVID this past year, it's been a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. We're hoping that we can get back to that, but, um, but yeah, at all the major events that we travel, being there to help get everybody to the green flag has always been a lot of work. Absolutely. And, you know, who came up with the idea of we always had the communication between the driver and the crew chief. And then we brought in the spotters, all those guys on the same channel. But one of the biggest challenges we were facing was not being able to separate the crew members when you wanted to talk to them and having the opportunity to kind of like keep them off of uh, them be able to hear something the driver not be able to hear. 
So how do you, how did you, how did y'all come up with a system that allows you to do that? Be able to talk to the driver, but sometimes when you want to talk to the crew, being able to switch over and talk to the crew without the driver hearing. Well, when the radios got a little bit more advanced and they started adding a feature called scan, where you can listen to two channels at once, mm -hmm. that made that ability for the crew chief to switch to another channel and talk to the crew and 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 then still go back to the to the primary and then when they come out with digital now that's a secure communication to the crew instead of an open channel that someone can monitor yeah and jeff who, and, also, who, who handles that 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 secured part chris i mean as far as uh when you deal almost deal with nascar or even like in formula one um how elaborate are the different series and how much they have you know all access versus digital private line. Well, as far as I'm not sure I understand the question there. Well, as the question is every series I'm sure has a, I know in NASCAR at one time, they will not let you, you know, have a private deal a conversation going on. You can't, you just got, they got to be able digital to channels, get in. Yes. They got to be able to get in. And I just wondered how NASCAR differentiate difference differences are compared to, Formula One or somebody else's series? Yeah, well, um, there are several series that digital is legal, but uh, you have to rebroadcast it in analog so that they can monitor it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's uh, that also gives them the capability of having some private channels and then they're just rebroadcasting the one uh, main channel that the series can monitor. So... And there's several series that are allowing that, but um, but NASCAR and Tony could speak better to it. I mean, they they've been analog only for forever. Yeah, the driver driver to crew to spotter has to be analog. Anything else can be secure. Okay. Yeah, and a big piece of that is is been in the past is also you know the fans. We want the fans to be able to hear what's going on, and, and that's a big piece of the sport. Um, and the analog allows them to do that. If we go digital, you know, it takes part of that away from the fan experience at the racetrack. As, as part of that experience, is there still a fear in like at one time, you know, and we've kind of talked about it, about bleed over, but do you ever worry too much about the fact that some fan or some kids, whatever, somebody, some crazy that could get and have access to be able to talk to a driver? and break through their ability, you know, to protect somebody, you know, calling up the driver at the most inopportune time. It has happened. Um, there's, there's really no way around it other than going to a different channel that's not listed on the scan list. Yeah, but if it, you know, and that's, that's the big difference, you know, staying analog, it, it does give that ability. That is one advantage if we were able to go digital with drivers and series that do allow that is it gives us the, the opportunity to keep that from happening. Unfortunately, there has not been that many incidences in the 20 years I've been out there. Yeah. With, with all of that being said, uh, how many in, in the racing world today, I'm sure somebody's going to say, well, this will be the wild question is how many licensed channels are there? I mean, how, well, it um, it's 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 in a book called Part Ninety of the FCC Code, mm -hmm. but it goes from four hundred fifty megahertz to four hundred seventy megahertz, and it's split up by twelve and a half KC channels. So for every twelve and a half uh, KC from four fifty all the way to four seventy, which is a lot of channels, but there's certain parts of that area where you can't use, like like I think um, four. There's certain areas that, I, that are not allowed to be licensed, but um, it's coordinated around the country. And if you go through the FCC, they can license different frequencies, but they like to license them by latitude and longitude of the racetrack. So you have to pretty much know where you're going um, and get your license done that way. And, and that will cover the United States, Canada, Mexico, and places like that. Even, you know, if you're um, in North Carolina it, and you get a license there, it, it still works once you travel abroad. It's, it's good for the U.S. Like if you go to Canada, you got to submit your frequencies to Industry Canada, which is another 
licensing group like the FCC and you have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, same with any other country. They all have their own coordination. Um, so if you travel internationally, you'd have to coordinate with that, with that country. Um, you know, the FCC in the United States, the license is more like a driver's license. It just gives you permission to operate. It doesn't say that you can tell anybody to get off of it. You just have to coexist. But it just gives you that legal option of being able to use it without getting in trouble with the FCC. Hmm. That's kind of fascinating, but yet it's still kind of scary. It's you can't tell somebody when you're trying to run a race. Uh, I don't want to hear that, that, that this is the uh, uh, UPS man or uh, Coca-Cola making a delivery to the local 7-Eleven. Right. If you both have FCC licenses, it, you just have to work it out and you don't really want to get the FCC involved. So you ask if there's a period of time that they can go to a different channel or work with you. That's usually how we try to coordinate with outside interference. Otherwise, we and just the, change channels. Yeah. And the biggest thing with that is is coordination. That's really what we're trying to look at. Okay. Well, here again, I want to make sure that uh, our panelists out there, or participants, I should say, y'all have the ability to ask questions. So if you've got anything for these gentlemen or anything we haven't been, you know, touching on, please, uh, uh, like I say, shoot us an email so that we can uh, involve you and make sure we get everything out there that you're kind of looking for as far as uh, racing radios and, and diversified electronics. I do see a question on there and I'll see if I can get a Steven to answer it. But, uh, and this is one that, you know, we see a lot of actually, but it's the UHF versus VHF at road courses. And likewise, you know, what, what are, what are the advantages there, Steven? Mm -hmm. um, well, primarily we deal with the UHF uh, in the frequency band. And one of the reasons we, that we do that is most of the series out there running UHF um, and that, that kind of gets you away from trying to purchase two two different radios to try to you know if you wanted to monitor the series or monitor you know and run also your program you kind of want it all on the same platform um, as far as uhf goes um, uhf penetrates uh like through buildings and stuff a little bit better than vhf vhf works a little bit better on a flat flat range like a long range but when you start uh, going into altitude changes where you have hills and stuff at different courses, that's where you're going to run into issues with the VHF radio. So primarily we, we, we use UHF uh, here in the racing in the U.S., but VHF is still an option to use. Okay, with that, that question being brought up, you know, what would be necessary to be able to boost that signal or get it high enough to where you, it would work better for you? I mean, how much... Uh, uh, and how would you go about doing that effectively? If I'm, I'm the crew chief and I'm in pit road and I need to talk to somebody, how big of an antenna would I need to run up or what kind of booster would I need to put on my signal to be able to communicate my driver in, on a big uh, open course or a hilly course, for example? Right, on a, on a hilly course, there, well, I mean, it really kind of depends on the budget that you have, honestly. Um, ultimately, the best option that you would have would be would be to put a repeater system up at a, at a like a long course. And so you would mount your repeater system centrally located at the racetrack and get your antenna as high as possible. That should give you coverage completely around the racetrack. Um, depending on what your budget is, you may, you may can just run an antenna up. A lot of guys just run antennas up in their pit box. Um, and that's going to give you, you know, the higher you get your antenna, I mean, that's the biggest effect that you can have on range. So you get your antenna up, you know, 30 feet up in the air, and it's, you're going to get a lot better range out of your complete radio system that way. Okay. All right. We covered uh, the radio. We talked a little bit about, you know, what where we're going in the future. But what's going to be the next big breakthrough, guys? I mean, what is the next thing that we're going to can expect, you know, coming down the pike here? Not next year, but as we look more into the future of, let's say, you know, 2023, 2024, uh, that we can expect out of you guys. It doesn't have to be directly in racing, but how about just the future? Well, I can tell you, you know, from the standpoint of uh, our industry is technology driven. And technology these days is advancing so fast, you know, where, where that technology is going to go. I mean, 2021, 2022, 2023, 
Um, honestly, 2023, I can't even, I can't imagine where the technology is going to take us, you know, and that's something that we're staying on top of as a company is, is looking at that technology and seeing where it's going to take us in the future and how we can adapt our products to that. Um, and, w- and we've been, been doing that. There's a lot of that work going on in the background in our company is, you know, R and D is those products do come out. And, you know, that's something that benefits us being the partner that we are with Motorola and, and the size that we are. We're able to see some of that stuff before some other people may be able to see it. And we can help work in the background. Tony and, and Stephen are big on that, uh, working with engineering group back at Motorola based in Chicago and saying, hey, what do you guys think about this technology? So there's a lot of stuff that's coming. There's some stuff that we know we can't necessarily talk about yet. But by 2023, there's going to be a lot of product advancements and a lot of technology advancements and, and expect to see a lot of good things out of us. Okay. With that being said, is, is that going to be in the direction of smaller products, you know, as far as the radios we're running now? Um, again, I just, you know, what, what can you share about that? Because with racing, you know, you want as light as possible, but yet you need to have the ability to, for it to be functional and do what you need to need to get the job done as far as communication between the crew and, and the engineer. And I think, I guess everybody and his brother's got a war room nowadays. So that signal and how all that communication, it all ties in together. So do you, do you, are you looking at anything there that's going to integrate what's going on back at say North Carolina when you're racing in Texas? Well, I think, I think uh, that nitro technology is, is, is a big wave of the future because that can be linked back to the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have a voice component where you can communicate back and forth, um, as well as you can send a lot of data. Um, it's as fast and can send more data than Wi-Fi. Um, and a lot of the new products that are coming out, not just from Motorola, but across the technology platform, are all going to have the on-go standard of CBRS where they can have a SIM card in that device and work on a Nitro system. So a lot of that is coming, you know, I mean, it's just the start was last year. I mean, it's, it's, it's coming down the pipe, some new technology. Well, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Chris, as I would have to say, you know, you guys at uh, racing radios have been doing a well of a job ever since the inception and your dad decided to step off into, into the big pond, you might say uh, way back when. And just kind of like, you know, just keep steadily getting better and better and better. And, you know, we've got about two minutes left here in our session. So I'd like for you to kind of like close it out and, and give us a real quick uh, view from your part, part of this company uh, about what we can expect. You know, again, once you keep talking about the future, but uh, share a little bit more of the history of this company, because, again, you know, your father, he took a lot of heat a lot of times early on from both NASCAR and the competitors because, you know, we wanted more as, out of something we didn't really even understand. And we didn't understand that, you know, protecting that radio and not shaking the guts out of it and not letting it uh, sit in the, in the race car after the race. You know, all the, all the little things that just made it a nightmare for your your father at that time trying to educate us and how to, I guess you might say, take care of something that was almost as fragile as an egg. Well, I mean, you, you you say that, but I mean, a lot of those old radios were pretty durable. And back when you were at Junior Johnson, for instance, I mean, you had the MX series, those were 800 megahertz. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're aware or not, that radio was probably about $2,500, $2,800, just the radio. That's before you put a headset on it, before you put a headset cable or a charger. And I know Junior probably had 20 plus of those radios. And... That radio was fully repairable. Back in the day, I mean, you could run over that thing with a truck and you could bring it to us and we could fix it. I mean, you would have to pretty much set it on fire before it was unrepairable. And that's the biggest difference you see in the, in the radios from the old day versus new. And the newer radios are, uh, they're durable, but they, they have a lot of functionality that the old ones didn't. But... You know, the clarity of some of the old 800 megahertz radios, like you had Darwall, remember if you were there with him, um, when a Darwall racing, he called it. Yeah. Uh, um, he had a set of those 800 radios as well. And I mean, 
the the clarity of those radios. I mean, they were just they they actually really worked pretty well. But one thing you got to remember too is one of the challenges that Dad and Jack, his old engineer back from the day, had was um, you know the cars. But they had to. You guys had to work on the cars as far as getting the the wiring properly insulated, properly ran through the cars. Um, you know, you guys used to run solid core. Uh, spark plug wires back in the day. Well, yep. That's basically, it's transmitting, that, that ignition's transmitting like a radio. So going with spiral coil wires and, you know, the evolution of the mass, the cup car to the point now where it's, I mean, they're bulletproof. You can, you can put, you know, you don't have a lot of interference or vibration in a cup car that interferes with the radio like it used to, honestly. Yeah. So... Well, guys, thank you for your time. Uh, again, it's been great getting caught up with you and what the future of, of uh, te technology is in the world of not only uh, communication, but as far as how it's going to benefit NASCAR and uh, from the war rooms to just the at track stuff. You guys have done a wonderful job. Uh, and you just, like I say, the I, I, way I look at your company is Steady Eddie. So uh, uh, this. Thank you for everything you've done. And again, just you know, let your father know that, you know, I'm glad that uh, he took up farming. <laughs> I think that's a great thing right there. He, he deserved it. He earned it well. But uh, again, we really appreciate you participating. Good we luck. In the we look forward to seeing you back at the racetrack and at least at the NASCAR tracks where I'm going to be, hopefully in uh, 2021 a little bit more. And uh, again, really, really appreciate you guys being on today. All right. Well, thanks, thanks Jeff. We thanks, it. Jeff. It was good to see you. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose claim company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose join company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.